So today we're going to talk with my friend Kevin Sheldahl, who's been, I think, you and I met in 1982 or 83? Somewhere around there. Around 84? There. Almost 40 years. Kevin is a, a retired police service dog handler. He is a internationally recognized police service dog teaching judge. And over the years, we've done a number of uh, training videos. Specifically, we'll talk today about the, the online course we released last week titled Muzzle Fighting for Police Service Dogs. In 2005, Kevin and I did a DVD by the same title, but in the last 16 years, training police dogs to work in muzzle has, I don't know if it's a fair thing to say it's come light years, but it's way, way more advanced than it was 16 years ago. So we redid it with all new material, additional material, and it's kind of uh, what we're gonna talk about today for a few minutes. One of the things I think you should talk about is um, the benefits of how you use, Kevin runs a six week police handler, canine handler training program. And the last I heard he had done close to 65 of those six week programs. So we're dealing with an individual that's got a lot of experience training police dogs. But why don't you talk about, uh, why don't you talk about why we redid this thing? Well, over the years, we've, uh, things have changed in the dog world. For one thing, the dogs that we receive um, are generally out of one or two populations, either sport dogs, which is mostly what uh, goes through this, the courses that I teach, um, or dogs that were raised purely for resale at um, uh, breeding operations in what used to be uh, behind the Iron Curtain places like Czech and, uh, and Slovakia and uh, Hungary and Poland, we're seeing a lot of dogs come out of there. And so there are two, two, those two groups are quite different. Um, the latter being very green, very, very green dogs who know very little. Um, they just have drive development. And then the others have a lot more knowledge. They've learned how to learn, but they're also very involved in equipment. Equipment's become uh, more and more important in dog sport. It's not for protection anymore. Now it's an evaluative tool. Did the dog bite squarely on the, on the sleeve? Did he fill his mouth up entirely? Did he maintain that grip throughout the uh, process of uh, being tested? Uh, and so the dogs that we have look at things a little bit different than when I started, which uh, was really still under the guise of Schutzhunde protection dog sport. And so taking those two groups over the last 30 years, um, we've done more and more and more muzzle development. Um, a lot of this was brought to us through a, uh, a program in North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany, where they do uh, all their testing in a muzzle. And uh, that sort of spurred a lot of what was going on uh, with muzzle work, and um, we've continued to use it now, not just as a testing tool, but as a developmental tool. And uh, using it in my course, the very first experience that a handler will have with a new dog, 
um, if he's picked up his dog coming to the course, is uh, the first experience in in apprehension work will be in a muzzle. And uh, that's to make sure the dog is looking at the human being as the, uh, uh, the source of a fight and learning how to fight when fought uh, so that we have an appropriate police dog who is more likely to be reliable on the road. So the interesting thing that came out of reproducing this course is the elimination of a presentation with a dog that's working in muzzle. And for me, that was probably the most enlightening thing. And I'll back it up by saying, having many years ago, another lifetime, worked a dog on the sheriff's department for 10 years in many small departments, you, uh, the canine handlers are locked into going to one of the other uh, officers on the department and trying to talk them into putting a sleeve on or getting in a body bite suit, take a bite on his police dog. And what's the, makes them nervous, makes these new guys nervous. They don't want to get bit. They don't want to get bit. So what do they do when the dog comes out to bite, whether it's on a leash, off leash, no matter what, they're feeding the dog the sleeve. And you do that enough times with a dog and the dog's going to be looking for the sleeve. You can't blame a new, a new decoy that's really not a dog trainer. He's just getting a sleeve on to take a bite for a canine. You can't blame them for not wanting to get hurt. That's why they feed the sleeve or offer him a leg to bite. And the beauty of muzzle work is that it can eliminate presentation problems because even in our course, I put a few examples that I got off of YouTube of police dogs running next to suspects, fleeing suspects, bouncing up and down and not biting them because they're not being offered a presentation to bite. And that's not making these dogs bad dogs. It's just they need different kind of training. But why don't you talk about how important that is? Well, I don't care if where this background is on the dog. They, were, they had to learn how to bite. We don't use a dog. We, we love dogs that naturally bite with big, full, hard grips. And the truth is, is that um, there has to be some education that goes along with that. And so these dogs have been worked on sleeves. They've been worked on suits. And mostly by people who have some pretty good skills. They're not your average guy that happens to be on the same shift as you when you're working with your dog. They're very different people. But I don't care what sport you come from, there's a language that a decoy has. And that language is telling the dog, now it's time to grip. Now it's time, time to come into the inside of the shoulder. It's time to come to the leg. These are all messages that decoys give that are never going to be seen on the street. And so some dogs look for the, the invitation to bite. And so... With the, with the muzzle, we can get around some of that problem. That's one of the things that muzzle does. Um, but the other thing that happens is I don't care what kind of equipment you have. If I hide you in a dark building and I put you under a couch and the dog comes around the end where your head happens to be, you're going to move. You're going to provide a presentation to a more comfortable body part. 
we can eliminate that so the person actually never even moves with a muzzle. We can stuff people in places where you can't with a suit and a sleeve. We can do things that are much more realistic. We can hide people under piles of clothing. We can hide them between the mattresses much more easily than we could if you had to have equipment and make sure you had to protect your, protect your hands, feet, and face. And we have that in the course. Got good video of the one. The one scenario was a passive suspect laying in a room covered with a blanket, thick blanket, and not moving. And that's just an impossible situation to do with a sleeve. It could be done with a suit, but I think a lot of times, no matter what, these dogs smell a suit and they think tug toy. Right. That's what they think. It brings them into drive. Yeah. And we need to make sure the dog comes into drive because it smells a human being and, and not all the accoutrements that come with dog training because they're just not going to be present on the street. And that's a, you know, such a huge advantage. We can do scenario-based training that's more realistic. We can get rid of the presentation problem. We can get rid of the odors that, that uh, are associated with uh, dog training equipment because none of those are gonna be there on the road. They're just not gonna exist. And so with that, it just seems logical to me, from my perspective, as, a, as spending more than two decades chauffeuring a police dog around my county, uh, it just seems logical that I need to approach it this way. Um, the, the other advantage to the muzzle, you know, it comes from something very different than bite work. Um, learning how to, having your dog wear a muzzle at presentations eliminates the possibility of a dog bite during, during a demonstration. Absolutely eliminates that, that small possibility. And unfortunately, we, you know, just recently in the news, there was a child that was, that was bitten. Uh, during a demonstration and I don't know the details and I'm not going to blame anybody for anything that happens like that But it would be eliminated if you wore muzzles uh, As well some of these police dogs other athletic dogs in particular or just a dog that goes hiking with you Could get injured and when a dog is injured they go into survival mode and they may bite you because they're afraid and or dog hurt. Try to help them. Or yeah. hurt. Well, they're afraid because they're hurt and they yeah. don't know what's hurting them and, they, and, and you put hands on, and next thing you know, your 85-pound German Shepherd that has never hurt anything in his life has just bit through your hand. Um, and you can't blame him. You can't blame him. So there's other reasons as well to have your dog acclimated to a muzzle. So if, you're, if your dog doesn't like the vet, do you really want to wrestle with them in the vet's office and have you or somebody else hurt because they don't want somebody checking their private parts? It's a whole lot easier just to acclimate him to a muzzle. One of the things that uh, we expanded on in this course was there's a big section for how to measure muzzles. And there are police fighting muzzles that really only come in a few different sizes because generally we're dealing with large dogs, large German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois. They're slightly different in head shape and size. So you don't have 10 different sizes of muzzles that are designed for muzzle fighting. But when you move that over into 
having these dogs wear a non-fighting muzzle. And, and where I'm kind of going with this is when you use the same muzzle all the time on the dog, they can get classically conditioned to think, here's the fighting muzzle, the muzzle goes on, now I'm going to go out and I'm going to knock some people down. Whereas if you do have a dog that has been injured, or if you do have a dog that has to go see your vet, you don't need to put the fighting muzzle on. You can put a wire basket muzzle on, you can put a cloth muzzle on, you can put one of these polymer muzzles or the, the uh, rubber muzzles. So they can be conditioned to two different types of muzzles for two different types of scenarios. And you don't need to have a dog that, as soon as you put the muzzle on, he's on the fight. He knows somebody's gonna fight with him. It just kind of gets away from that. We didn't cover anything on that back in 2005. And teaching these dogs how to be conditioned to a muzzle. And, you know, back then, we'd put a muzzle on, drag a dog around until he decided to get up and walk with us, yeah. you know? Well, and even today, that's certainly, it's not the best way. It's not even a good way, but it's a way that's probably more common than anything else, where you just grab the dog, plop a muzzle over his head, tighten it up enough so they can't get it off, and hope for the best. Many dogs will become acclimated to the muzzle even that way. Most dogs. Um, and most dogs are compliant enough. They've learned how to learn, and they kind of get it. Uh, but there's a lot more pleasant way to do that. Better uh, And, and uh, one that, for particularly for dogs who are superbly object-oriented. We see Malinois in, the, in this business now who you pull out a, a new object and the only thing they want to do is grab it. And wrestling with that dog, he's just going to keep biting the muzzle every, until one of you gets tired. Um, and it's never going to go away if you do it that way. Um, you're going to be wrestling with the dog every time you need to put a muzzle on him. And my preference is, is that when I hold a muzzle up, the dog plops his nose in it, and I can just put it on. That You're talking about a career here that might span seven to ten years. With a dog. With a dog. Yeah. Yeah. And do you really want to fight with him every day you put a muzzle on? And you should be training a lot with the muzzle. Uh, my guys generally start their shift with their dog coming out to the car in a muzzle. Um, they, may have to, they may come off, uh, but they make sure the dog has time in a muzzle. And I don't want to fight that much. I, I'm a lazy dog trainer. And so I put a little effort at the front end, a whole lot easier as we get down the road. So what we decided to do in this uh, online course is give people the option. There's a really good section in the course on how to free shape, and I'm not going to go into free shaping, not here anyway, on how to free shape getting a dog comfortable and wearing a muzzle. There's another section in there on how to use reward-based training, food, to teach a dog to be comfortable wearing a muzzle. And we have, some, we have some video of some dogs, some really tough dogs with good temperament that love to have their muzzle on because they know when the muzzle goes on, they get to do some nice things. One of uh, Cindy's best friends was up here with her German Shepherd, four-year-old German Shepherd, huge head. And he has had some experiences before he had to have hip surgery and some other surgeries, and he'd been injured for quite a while. And he used this reward, 
our friend used this reward-based system. And in the video, he's cool. She gets that muzzle out, he runs up, he jams his nose in the muzzle. Because he can be a little bit of a dick. He can be a little bit of a dangerous dog. So he's learned that, hey, I get the muzzle on, I get to go do some fun things in training. I can still get some food rewards through the muzzle. I can go for walks. And it's a dramatic thing. And we just didn't do any of that 15 right. or 16 years ago. Well, so there was a little bit way. of a, a macho attitude that was, at least when I started uh, doing police stuff, that, you know, hey, I got this big, tough dog. They just handed it to me. I got to come out on top. He's got to respect me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so you just... Put him on a live ring on a, on a first saver, lift his head up, jam that thing on there and tighten it up. And if he fought you, you just kept hanging on until you get that muzzle on. You just did it any way you could. And the problem I have with that is if this is a new dog, that's not how I want to base my relationship on my, my, my new police service dog that I'm going to work the road with for, for an extended period of time. Um, I kind of want to have a better relationship than that. And so... You know, I, anymore, I have my guys go and sit down with food. And even if I can't get them to do the full, do everything, use markers and, and all that, if I can just get them to sit down and teach the dog to stick their nose into the, into the muzzle uh, for, a, for a reward, if I can just get that much out of it, we've gone that much closer to a better relationship with you and your dog and a better relationship the dog has with the muzzle. Uh, and that just makes all the things we talk about and all the things that we show in the, uh, the online course that much more effective. And there's always going to be the dog, the occasional dog, because you can take some of these dogs that have had bad experiences where they have had a muzzle forced on them and you can back it up and you can use reward based training to teach the dog not to think of the muzzle the way that he used to think of the muzzle. But there's always going to be a dog that won't do it. And in the end, these are working dogs. They have to go out and work as police service dogs and they have to wear a muzzle. And those dogs we talk about in here, that they've just got to learn. That's part of their job, whether they like it or not. We're not yeah. training pets here. And some, some of the older dogs start to realize they don't get to bite. And they're frustrated without, with, with uh, not getting to bite. And it takes really good decoy work to satisfy a dog year after year after year with a fight in a muzzle. And some of the older dogs, they'll go like, I think I'm... I just want to take this thing off so I can try to bite this guy. <laughs> and uh, those dogs, sometimes we have to use a little bit of positive punishment to tell them, no, you're not allowed to do that. Um, and by that time, they've had all the foundations. They know what they're supposed to be doing. And so when a dog understands the skill, we can actually apply a small amount of positive punishment uh, to make sure that we get reliability in that skill. And, you know, that's something that, that does come up. Um, in some dogs, and we'll have to deal with that as it comes. And one of the things, I mean, another thing that I just thought about that where we've come in the last 15 or 16 years is back in 2005, we did talk about uh, decoys going to the ground and blah, 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 and what they have to do, scoot away and all this. But now what impressed me about what you showed was some dogs don't need that. Some dogs don't need to have a decoy go to the ground and flop around like a fish out of water. 
And there's a reason why they don't need it. And that's what we cover in this thing. And that's what I like. And, and when a guy does go to the ground, some of the things that you cover in this course now for the safety of the decoy is really good. Because a damn dog and a big dog with a muzzle on, he can break your ribs if he gets hit. If you get hit hard enough, like we show in these traffic stops, and you get a guy on the ground, I always remember one of the guys at the seminar that we filmed was talking, when I talked about classical conditioning, a dog to having a muzzle and thinking he's going to fight, knocking a vet's uh, assistant out with his muzzle. Because you think, oh, a muzzle, you're not going to get hurt. Don't kid yourself. You can get hurt with a muzzle on. So well, it's come a long way to layer the training in, in steps that we really didn't do. 15 or 16 years ago. Oh, true. And that's what's and nice. I don't know if you remember that um, officer safety, tactics and safety video that you did way back on VHS back in back in the 80s, late 80s. With Don Yanel? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there was I was doing muzzle work. I was the decoy doing muzzle work. I actually blacked out getting hit in the chin by a dog. And you could, it's on it's on your video. I woke up by the time I hit the ground because I remember hitting the ground. But I don't remember how I got to the ground. I got popped in the chin pretty good by a muzzle. So, yeah, it's not a benign exercise. Um, but it certainly is one that can set us up for some huge advantages for police service dogs. And we even touched base a little bit um, using it uh, for sport dogs. You know, there's a lot of people who question, why would I want to do um, a sport dog in a muzzle? Well, uh, a couple of reasons. One is that if the dog has a high percentage of prey behaviors and doesn't carry much seriousness into the work, we, we may be able to shift that over to a more serious animal. Um, I'll, I'll be careful about using vocabulary because everybody gets all up in the air about vocabulary. I call it fighting instinct. The next guy calls it active aggression. You know, we can get through this um, using old vocabulary or somebody's new vocabulary or, or the next new vocabulary that comes up. Uh, but when a dog is serious, there's an advantage in the judging. When you watch a dog in IGP guard, there is a huge impression made at that point in time. And if you need more of that in your dog, it may be advantageous to you to do muzzle work. There's a little section in our dog that I went out and titled in American Schutzen 1 and did an IGP one with him at, shortly after the video was done. And, uh, you know, it the whole purpose for me actually was because I used the dog as a demonstration dog before I put him into police service work where he's at now. Um, I used him as a demo dog and I wanted him to see that, but it also certainly made his bark and guard, or, uh, his revere in the uh, sport work V-rated. Well, one of the things that I came away after producing this video, and a lot of times I like, people think, oh, I go out and produce a video because I know everything about it. And it's exactly the opposite. A lot of times I like to produce a video because I want to learn just like everybody else because I'm learning new things all the time. And the thing that my takeaway from this online course was, I think every police canine handler should have a dog that can do the kind of work that we should that we show how to do in this online course. Even dogs that have worked the street for a long time. And it, 
where it really became obvious to me was when we went to this seminar and there was 35 or 40 that Kevin was the instructor at, there was 35 or 40 police canine handlers there. How many of them were not used to working in a muscle? How many yeah. of them just, they just, their handlers just didn't do it. And they didn't perform as well in the scenario based training because they weren't used to wearing it. They weren't conditioned to wearing a muzzle. Oh, absolutely. So, well, it's, I, I can't find a substitute for it. I absolutely cannot find a substitute for it. And so it has taken center stage in the long-term use work with the police service dogs. Um, you know, I, and I don't know how I can, I can, there's no substitute. Biting a suit is not a substitute. Biting a sleeve is not a substitute. Biting a hidden sleeve might have value for the first initial commitment to the, to the grip by that dog. But beyond that, it has no value. Um, you know, it's just, there, there's no substitute for it. And I, 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 I can try to convince guys, but it is a little bit of trouble too. You've got to make sure your the muzzle's on. Somebody should be. We talk about testing and safety with the muzzle on. You got to go through those steps. And frankly, you're getting punched by a dog in the ribs. Sometimes, you know, in the groin. So you have got to deal with it. And so some guys want an easy way out. Well, it is easy just to stand behind a door and and, and stick a sleeve out the door. That's lazy, and it's not getting you close to your goal. Uh, to me, that's like standing on the range and do, doing your qualifications at one step away from, uh, away from your, uh, target. You haven't, you might be able to manipulate that gun, but the possibility that you're going to do well at 50 yards is pretty zero. Talking about the, that reminded me, talking about the hidden sleeve, there's two dogs that I put in this online course at some dogs should never be used with a hidden sleeve because they're <laughs> really tough. I put two dogs in here doing work and these dogs were so strong and so big that it would be extremely dangerous to try and work these dogs with a hidden sleeve. You just can't. Well, and you would be should going never. back to that, at the very beginning we talked about presentation, I don't care who you are with the certain certain dogs. That's you it. cannot not present. You, you you may think you're tough. You may think you got it, but realize dogs have this incredible ability to read us. Something we'll talk about in a in a future scent work um, course. They have an, a, a, an ability that's now evolved for them to read us and understand us, and so. Letting communication happen inappropriately between a decoy and a dog is all great for the sport, but it's not great for the street. I was at a, you talk about sport dogs and presentation. I was at a Mondial ring competition, and this is over 10 years ago. And there was a friend of ours dog there was a big, strong, tough dog. And the decoy was another friend, a, a military canine handler that had just retired from the Air Force. And this dog came on a long bite. And our friend offered the presentation of an arm in front of him. This dog totally, totally ignored his arm. 
and hit him in the legs and broke his knee. And he had to spend, I don't remember how long Tim was in the hospital and then the nursing home to recover afterwards. There's no way in the world that that dog could be worked with a hidden sleeve because no one offered a better, better presentation coming down the field. And he bent over and offered the dog a sleeve like that. And that dog totally ignored it, hit his leg, which was his primary leg to stand on. And that's why the knee got broke. It wasn't a takeaway leg. So that's the only point that I wanted yeah, to make I, about the I argument on the hidden sleeves. Uh, we just had a handler in the training group I'm in try to present an arm. Dog, dog hit him in the knee in a suit, and the uh, his leg was straight. Yeah, destroyed his ACL. And he's, Tim out, had, he's out for months. Tim had a suit on too. So anyway, the, and that that probably wouldn't happen with a muzzle. You might get a big bruise. But the possibility is much less because the dog will bounce off you. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's some, yeah, you, it, it hurts sometimes when you get hit with a muzzle. I get some bruises. It, but it's no worse than going to, going to the dojo and sparring. So in closing this thing out, if, if it's being watched by people that are serious about training their dog in muzzle, go to our website. We've got some pretty good video that are, that I put together that came out of this course, and you can see some decent dogs work. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.